Toledo. Imagine this, living in Palestine during the Ottoman era. Palestine is a beautiful province in which Muslims, Christians, and Jews live side by side in peace, as they have for centuries. There is stability, there is safety, there is coexistence among multiple communities. And then World War I happens, and everything you know, and everything you love, and everything you think you understand begins to crumble around you. How did European nationalism impact an Ottoman province thousands of miles away? How did European ambition and greed for imperial power disrupt and dislocate and change the destinies of millions? And how did European bigotry for Muslims and Jews lead to alliances of convenience with Muslims and Jews in order to reshape the entire Middle East. From the Toledo Society, I am Professor Saeed Khan, and this is 1400 OMG, your guide to what the hell happened in modern Muslim history. In this series, we look into the key events in the Muslim world over the last two centuries and dig deep into some of the root causes of the situation one may find themselves in today. Over the next few episodes, we will do an exploration into the circumstances, the causes, and the effects that led to the formation of the State of Israel. Together, we will try to understand the roots of the Palestine-Israel conflict and understand this history within the broader construct of the Muslim world. anti-Semitism in Europe. Our story about the reshaping of the Middle East begins in Europe in the 18th century. At that time, Palestine was part of the Ottoman Empire. More specifically, it was considered part of the greater Syrian province, an area that includes modern-day Palestine, Israel, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq west of the Euphrates. At the time, Ottoman law protected the rights of all Jews and Christians living within its borders. The situation in Europe, however, was an entirely different story. In Eastern Europe, Russia, and the Ukraine, many Jews lived in rural agricultural communities called shtetls. The locals made Jews their scapegoats for any political and economic turmoil. This led to a concept called the pogrom, organized campaigns of violence and discrimination against the Jewish community. A good example of this occurred in 1882. A major pogrom was ordered by Tsar Alexander III, which included many laws that limited where Jews could live and which occupations they could hold. These pogroms also served as a much-needed distraction for the Tsar from the growing public frustration with the Tsar and with the government with the poor economic conditions of Russia. In Western Europe, the situation wasn't much better. Most Jews lived in urban centers, but in order to be accepted in society and to escape explicit anti-Semitism, many chose to secularize. The only alternative was retaining a visible Jewish expression, but this often meant living in ghettos, segregated communities that did not mix with broader society. 
Secularized Jews felt that by becoming secular and or converting to Christianity, they would be seen as assimilated and accepted in Western countries like Germany, Austria, Great Britain, and France, though anti-Semitism was certainly still present, always lurking under the surface. It was one event in 1894 which changed everything and shook the Jewish community of Western Europe to its core. This was known as the Dreyfus Affair. The Dreyfus Affair and the birth of modern Zionism. Captain Alfred Dreyfus was an officer in the French Legion. When military secrets were leaked, the command needed a scapegoat. So Dreyfus was wrongly accused of supposedly communicating French military secrets to German embassy officials in Paris. He was charged and tried for treason. Dreyfus was not given a fair trial and was convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment. Even after the actual culprit was discovered and acquitted, this exposed the deep anti-Semitism of the French as they were satisfied with the outcome, an innocent man going to jail, and ignored the injustice that they had done. It showed that even the most liberal and enlightened French people at the time had a deep disdain and dislike for the Jews. But the incident caused a media frenzy. Many journalists began to write about the topic, exposing the hypocrisy of the French government. The most important of these was the writer Emile Zola, who wrote a series of columns in Le Monde entitled Jacques, I Accuse, in which he indicted French society for its hypocrisy and exposed this venal anti-Semitism that ran through the country. Zola's work created a political crisis and eventually it led to a retrial of Captain Dreyfus. However, despite the clear proofs of his innocence, he was still given a 10-year sentence, a reduction from life imprisonment. And eventually he was pardoned, but it was only in 1906 when he was fully exonerated from the crimes for which he was charged. The entire incident of the Dreyfus Affair shook the Jewish community in France and elsewhere in Europe. They now felt that no level of assimilation or stature would immunize them from anti-Semitism. They needed a solution. Some of the thinkers within the Jewish community arrived at an idea to protect the community from anti-Semitism. Zionism. Zionism is the idea of establishing a Jewish state in the original land of Israel, which at that point was Palestine, a province of the Ottoman Empire. Many Jews became convinced that they needed to migrate to Palestine and establish their own land where they could be safe from anti-Semitism. So began an effort for a mass migration of Jews to Palestine. The Aliyahs. The mass migration of the Jews to Palestine is known in Hebrew as the Aliyahs. There were three major Aliyahs which occurred before the establishment of the State of Israel. The first of these took place between 1882 and 1903. During that time, 35,000 Jews migrated from Russia and Yemen to Palestine. They established their own agricultural communities to support themselves there. The second Aliyah took place between 1904 and 1914. During this period, over 40,000 Jews migrated, mainly from Russia, to Palestine. 
They revived the Hebrew language and established the kibbutzim system of collective farming. It meant the sharing of communal wealth among and between the immigrants, and it also eased the path of immigration for many poorer Jews. It's interesting to remember that both of these migrations occurred during the time of Ottoman authority over Palestine, which means that the Ottoman sultans gave permission and welcomed Jewish migration to Palestine during this time. Of course, from 1914 until 1918, in the war years, immigration came to a dead standstill. From 1919 until 1923, after the end of World War I, another 40,000 Jews migrated to Palestine. This time they came from various countries, including the Soviet Union, Poland, and Romania. They further developed the agricultural sector, and the Jewish community established a national council, as well as other and various administrative systems. Now there were more than 100,000 Jews settled in Palestine, and they began to formulate their own state by creating new institutions. World War I. World War I was an event that changed history forever, and certainly changed the Muslim world forever. We've discussed the effects of this war in detail in episodes one and two of season one. You can listen to these episodes for more details, but for now we will focus the events that directly relate to the formation of Israel. Several events during World War I led to that formation. They included the collapse of the Ottoman Empire, the British making multiple contradictory promises to various parties, including the Arabs and the Jews, and the division of conquered Arab lands among Britain, France, and their allies. Let's begin by recapping the British alliance with the Arabs and the results of that. The British needed allies within the Ottoman Empire to divide and fracture the empire from within, especially after the disastrous Gallipoli campaign, which saw British forces, mostly from other parts of the empire, unsuccessful in forcing a naval blockade of Istanbul. They wanted a potential client in the region who would be dependent upon them, both financially and militarily. The British also needed someone who could tilt toward them in their ongoing rivalry with the French. And perhaps most critically, they needed a Muslim who was willing not only to fight the Muslim Ottomans, but also to have the audacity to fight against the Caliph himself. They found what they were seeking in one man, Sharif Hussein. For 1400 OMG, this is Professor Saeed Khan, your guide to what the hell happened in modern Muslim history. Toledo, 